Grace and peace be to you. We read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And we pray. These are your words, dear Heavenly Father, sanctifies by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Have you ever said a platitude before? It's kind of one of those phrases that's stock standard, pretty meaningless, cliche. Maybe a relatable example is, you know, in a breakup situation between boyfriend and girlfriend, someone says, it's not you, it's me, or it's just not working, you know, be vague and open-ended about it. And what we're really saying with that is just something meaningless, like this is an awkward conversation. I want to end it very quickly without follow-up questions. I'm just trying to dump you. Don't, you know, don't drag this on any more than it has to be. Um, that's really what we're trying to do with it's not you, it's me. Uh, it's just a straightforward platitude, meaningless. But we use them far more maybe than we think, and maybe with more implications than we realize. What if someone's having a bad day? And what do we say to that? Oh, it's, it's too bad, or sorry to hear that. You know, it's, uh, what, what solutions, what, what help are we able to say? Sometimes in platitudes, we just uh, say something, and it doesn't really have much backing to it. And then you get more extreme, and think about the um, coronavirus that's going around the world right now. What if, what if it comes to Mankato? What if someone that you know is dealing with someone who dies from it even? Friend, relative, or child, parent, something like that. What do we say to that? Um, we can uh, say it's too bad that this virus that started halfway across the world happened to randomly get you. you know, that's not really going to do it, is it? Or, you know, even sometimes you could say things like, well, it, you know, I guess it's just God's plan. Well, God's plan that this virus hits you, is that going to comfort a person? Or you do the reverse, it wasn't God's plan. And then are we saying that God's helpless to do something? You can see how sometimes we can have platitudes, ways of trying to answer questions that we really maybe can't have much of an answer for. And we can easily run into problems with it. And our lesson kind of focuses our attention on these sorts of ways of thinking that kind of creep in through platitudes. When, it, you know, it's interesting, it, it just goes right after thoughts even. We think about these temptations, this warfare. It talks about thoughts and bringing down arguments, bringing down ways of thinking, and holding thoughts themselves in captivity to obedience to Christ. And so, yeah, thinking, 
is sometimes an overlooked problem for us. Even though, ironically, we, we don't think about our thinking always being such a problem. Um, the problem is, is that with our thinking, we want to interpret everything that goes on around us. And sometimes that interpretation means we conform what happens to what our expectations should be or how we think things should be. And then we offer maybe a platitude or something to say why this is the way it is or you know, explain things away. And sometimes, though, we should pause and think, oh, maybe this platitude, maybe this thing I'm saying is not really conforming to what God has actually revealed about himself. Maybe I'm actually trying to conform God to my way of thinking. And I think that's uh, one of the big problems with platitudes, is making God uh, something he isn't. Um, you know, if someone has a tragedy strike, if someone loses a parent in a car accident, if someone has a child with a, with a horrible illness, um, and I say, it's okay, it's God's plan. I mean, how is that going to come off to such a person? Um, and with that, do I maybe have an attitude of, hey, I'm above God, I'm going to explain him away, I'm going to justify God. Really, isn't it God who needs to justify us? Or do I think, well, i got to clean up God's image here. Well, isn't it God who needs to clean up our image? And so we kind of run into problems. And of course, God, God provides and God has a plan in the sense of he's not just shooting from the hip and, and disorganized mess. Uh, but so often when we speak uh, about God and, and how he's working in our life around us, we can overstate and say more than we really know and sometimes fail to let God be God even put ourselves above him sinfully and think, well, I got to make God fit to my human understanding. The cold, hard reality is if we carry on like that, someday those platitudes are going to fall short. And, you know, when push comes to shove, we're going to realize God does not hold up to these platitudes I've thrown out there. And it can lead to ultimately just rejecting him because I'm going to reject the God that I've in a certain sense, invented with numerous platitudes. And so those things do ring hollow over time, and our lesson tries to cut through that and say our thoughts need to be captive to Christ. It needs to be the other way around, not that I need to make God fit my thinking and I'm going to explain him away to you. Because we probably think when, you know, looking at a lesson like this, it's easy to have that covered. Yeah, I like God's word. I like Jesus. And so... I can check this lesson off my list as something that I've accomplished. But the reality is, is that far too often we go at God with an attitude of trying to make him fit our expectations. And if we realize all that God has said in his word and all he hasn't said, that can help us dial back our sinful expectations of trying to fit God in a box that we've created to fashion a God that, that fits our expectations. And instead to take comfort in God as he has truly revealed himself to us. Um, he didn't reveal himself to us in a bunch of platitudes and putting a band-aid on us and patting us on the back and saying, there, there, 
as if that's going to solve our real problems. Instead, Christ came to this earth and he came in lowliness and he went through problem after problem, difficulty. Uh, he faced persecution, rejection, even death on the cross. And he, he didn't go at it um, trying to explain away his heavenly father or uh, you know, make excuses for God, the father, as to why he's doing the things that he's doing. Instead, he just put his thinking in submission to the father, like when he prayed, not my will, but yours be done in the garden. And then he went ahead to that cross because that would be the way that he takes our sin, our guilt, the things that we've earned for the, the thoughts that we have had gone astray for the times that we've put our thinking above God. He was captive so that, so that those sins, those wrongs could be wiped away. And thankfully with his resurrection, he's shown us that he even has power to handle death. And that power is so supreme that Jesus rose, he ascended to heaven. We know he can and does that for us too, saving us, giving us heaven itself. And that's not the answer to every tragedy or difficulty that strikes us in this life in the sense that I can't, I can't make a chart, I can't put dots and pieces together to understand God's will and his working in all things. But when I understand this great thing that he's accomplished, I, and we, through the means of grace, through that God's word, draw comfort that if he handles this, if he takes care of this, I trust him in all things. Even though I don't understand, I don't understand, I cannot put a Band-Aid on things. I cannot put God in submission to my thoughts. Instead, as I draw trust and comfort from his Holy Spirit working in the, in, in the word, I say, well, let God be God. I don't know. And our lesson has in many ways taught us that sometimes not knowing is better to stick with that than to try to invent a platitude, to try to say more about God than he's really shown to us. That's a very difficult thing for us. And I've had many situations in my life where someone has come to me for comfort. And of course, near the pastor type, you know, there's high expectations of being able to say just the right thing at the right time. The reality is, is that from our limited perspective, we don't always have the magical silver bullet answer that's going to make someone and their grief or their difficulty feel instantly better. We do thankfully have true, deep, and lasting comfort in what Christ has done for us. And we know that with his conquest of death, with his giving heaven itself to us, that can help us um, trust him in all things and know that, well, if he can take care of these things, I'm going to set aside my thoughts and thinking and trust God each day of life, even though, no, it's not going to make perfect and easy sense to us. We suffice ourselves in the here and now, knowing everything God has done for us in his word. He's given us the answers we really need, even if he doesn't give us every single answer we want. Amen.